Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Well, hello and welcome to Engage for Success Radio and show number 360 in our weekly series. Engage for Success is a not-for-profit movement and we're the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We're raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country as well as our topic and sector-specific thought and action groups. We're developing research, publishing case studies and shining a light on great practice. So visit us at engageforsuccess.org to learn more uh, and you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter there. I'm Joe Moffat. I'm host for today's show and I'm founder and managing director of Woodread. We're a specialist creative agency who work with our clients to help them use their brands to engage their internal audiences and create high performing cultures. And today on Engage with Success Radio, we're going to be talking about culture and how organizations can go about and should go about creating a culture of challenge. And to help explore that topic with me, I'm very pleased to welcome today's guest, Clara Buckingham. Clara is Head of People at James & James E-Commerce Fulfillment. So welcome to the show, Clara. Hi, Joe. Many thanks for having me. Well, it's good to have you here. And um, let's hope that uh, we can explore over the next half hour um, this concept of uh, culture of challenge and and, uh, explore what that means and and why it matters and some um, uh, lessons in terms of how, how organizations can go about replicating that um, for themselves. But before we get into that, can you just give us a little bit of an introduction to yourself and your professional background? Because you're head of people at James and James, but what, what, how long have you been with them and, and what were you doing before that? So I've been with James and James actually from the first week of lockdown. So um, six months or so in this role. Uh, right. I started my career in HR a good 20 years ago. Um, I graduated with a degree in HRM. I, I knew very quickly that I wanted to specialise in people. Um, uh-huh. I combined that with politics, which I think actually may have helped somewhere. Um, oh, interesting, yeah. When, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's helped. Um, started from the bottom, really. I went into an HR administration role with a global distribution company. Um, career moved upwards quite quickly and then... Since then, I've been in different industries. I've always been mindful that I wanted to try and work in different industries because they all do things very differently. Um, Mm -hmm. I've worked in food manufacturing, publishing, retail, and I'm now full circle back to fulfillment industry. I was going to say, you've you've come back to where it all began. And what what um, an induction of fire to join an organization just at the start of lockdown, but also to to join an organization that's in e-commerce at a time when goodness me logistics was was one of the one of the big focus areas or has been hugely hasn't it in the last few months so tell us a little bit about James and James I'm not sure I certainly hadn't heard of you I'm afraid to say but I having done some research I gather you're rapidly growing and and very successful perhaps you could tell our listeners a little bit more about the organization yeah, of course, can. Uh, so James and James uh, Fulfillment provides, um, so we provide an outsourced fulfillment service. We have around mm-hmm. 350 online retailers. So we basically store their products. Uh, we pick mm-hmm. and pack and ship orders to customers, and then we handle the returns. So the company mm-hmm. was set up um, in 2010 by um, two University of Cambridge graduates, James and James, James Hyde and James Strachan. Uh, right. Essentially, they, they were working in a business where, there wasn't a, a good fulfillment solution. So they 
identified a bit of a niche and created their own um, digital native fulfillment house. So quite a success story. In 2016, um, James and Dave moved from headquarters uh, in Cambridge into Northampton Bracknells, where we're based at the moment. Um, right. And we also opened a U.S. fulfillment center in Ohio. Right. So we operate okay. in both the USA and the U.K. And the UK. And how, how many people? So, I mean, that's going to be one of your challenges, I guess, in that you've got multiple sites, but two different countries. Mm-hmm. Um, how many people are we talking about? So we have 194 people in the UK operation at the moment. And we have six in the US, but that they are both growing very fast and headcount will increase. Right, um, quite right. Rapidly. Okay, okay. And so, um, interestingly, I mean, you know, interesting times for any organisation, well, for so many organisations in in, from varying perspectives over the last few months, but, but for an organisation that's involved in logistics and for an organisation that's particularly focusing on e-commerce logistics, I mean, my goodness, what, what, what the last six months must have been like. So, so tell us a little about the impact of COVID on, on the organisation from the from the crisis perspective, but also perhaps also on the on what it's what that's meant for your people in terms of what they've been called upon to to try and cope with. Yeah, I think um, when when we first locked down, the I mean the, the business continued um, to operate throughout the pandemic. Um, initially, we were helping to get essential products um, out to um, the, the, you know sort of food, face masks, um, as well as creature comforts. Those were isolating at home. We yes. saw a real um, boost in growth, really. Um, the partnership between James and James and clients was really brought into focus. And, mm-hmm. you know, people were shopping online more. So our clients that we already have um, experienced real increase in sales. Um, but also there was a lot of new retailers and there continues to be a lot of new retailers who are turning to us to do their fulfillment to help them stay afloat. Right, right. Yes, yes. I mean, I, I read the most. I read an amazing statistic the other day, which was, which said that the e-commerce sector had delivered the growth that was expected of it in ten years. It's actually delivered in eight weeks, um, wow. which is phenomenal. Yeah. And 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 what a huge. I mean, we th- we all talk about quite glibly talk about the whole COVID experience as being, you know, the biggest change management project that business has ever faced. But I mean goodness me you've you've had it in spades haven't you there absolutely yeah absolutely I think it really highlighted you know the the culture that we have here really is about delivering um you know there was we had isolated cases of people who were fearful but you know most people just carried on um you know obviously we had to put safety measures in so we did all the the, the we implemented everything that the government guidelines would do but we also went a little bit further and and brought in new technology so we installed um an infrared fever screening camera in our entrance uh-huh. which was actually quite you know innovative of um you know a business this size you'd see big businesses doing that so that was something that really gave people comfort that we were reassuring you know, yeah. yeah absolute reassurance mm. Uh, we've had to make a lot of hires as well, which was, has been quite a challenge during COVID. Probably not so much now, but originally, you know, the first three months we were having to hold video interviews, which yeah. normally, you know, we would have a telephone interview and then the second interview you would meet somebody. So we had to make some quite big hires without actually um, physically meeting such, um, you know, candidates. So we brought on 87 people um, in 2020 and a lot of those have been through lockdown. So that's, I think, real testament to the growth 
Um, yes. We were growing very fast anyway, and this is kind of a bit of a boost tailwind that, that, that has pushed us even further. Yeah, well, I, I guess a, a, a youngish company um, that's growing rapidly, by definition, has a degree of agility about it that perhaps more established organisations can sometimes struggle to to demonstrate. So um, that, I guess, must have come to the fore um, in terms of how you responded and, and kept pace with what was going on. Um, but uh, yeah, fascinating. So so we're going to be talking about a culture of challenge um, uh, for the for the rest of the the show so can you perhaps begin by explaining for our listeners what we actually mean by that what what define our terms if you would Clara yeah of course um so for me I would say a cultural challenge is about creating an environment where challenge is um something that is embraced and encouraged um Mm -hmm. it's about creating a culture where people challenge themselves to be better challenge each other challenge what the company's doing and how on the whole we can just do things better um one thing we're, you know, we're really, really strong on here, it's, it's a non-hierarchical business and whatever role you are in or level within the business, um, you're actively encouraged to feedback, debate, discuss and challenge one another. So I think to me that is the real crux of a, of a challenge culture, um, you know, asking great questions. Why? What do we, you know, what happens if we do it this way? Could we do that any differently? And I know we had a, a bit of a conversation last week around our kids do that as a natural part of their learning and development. Indeed, you know, I've got yes. teenagers. Yeah, I've got teenagers now, where it's a little bit less of the why, and I'm asking them why, but um, mm. as they're growing up, they're, they're asking those questions, aren't they? And so we yes. stifle yes. that. Absolutely. In, in children, I think their development would, would, um, yeah. would, would not yeah, be Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then we, we talked, didn't we, about how perhaps people in older generations find that a bit challenging themselves because they think they're being criticised. There's an inherent criticism in being asked a question. There's an inherent criticism in being asked why are we doing something that particular way, when in fact, really, it's just people wanting to understand, wanting to be involved, wanting to perhaps have an opportunity to contribute, um, which has got which has got to be good news, really, I guess, isn't it? So, um, Absolutely. Okay. And, and, and so why why do you think it's important to create a culture of challenge what what's the benefit to an organization when they've got that in place well i think i think it's really essential to have innovation and change and forward thinking um i think if no one has a great idea on their own or stuck you know board meeting behind closed doors you know just because they're in a a very high position doesn't mean that they have all the answers i think we're Mm -hmm. Um, I think most businesses would find that when you when you involve your people um, and ask for feedback, uh, a good idea can turn into a great idea. So I think you know it's very engaging. I think it, it really helps employee engagement. People really connect to the business because they are empowered to have a have a say, um, so to speak, in in how things are done around here. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, you're certainly talking to the converted as far as Engage for Success is, and, uh, and the movement is concerned because employee voice and tapping into it, and listening to it is, a, is one of the four enablers of an engaged workforce. And certainly um, there's some really fascinating statistics about the extent to which um, an engaged workforce is more likely to be creative and innovative than ones who have lower levels of engagement. And, and uh, you know, part of that is, is knowing that you're listened to and that your voice matters and people will hear your ideas, I guess. So do you think if you were to sort of put it on a scale of one to 10 in terms of businesses in the UK, I mean, it, how, how common would you think it is, Clara, to have a culture of challenge? 
Well, hmm, I mean, I've worked in businesses in the, in the past where they are probably quite command control, top down. You know, I won't name names, but they're big no. corporate businesses. I think perhaps in a more corporate world, it's it's probably not so common. I think mm. new uh, smaller SMEs, um, p- potentially those that have the founder um, still remaining within the business is, um, is quite interesting to me because they've, they've kind of nurtured that all the way. Um, some businesses, you know, it can be seen as quite pessimistic, um, like you said earlier. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe some don't adopt that because it's just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. On a scale of one to 10, I'd probably say in my experience, I'd probably say four to five actually. Right, right. So it's not it. Yeah, it's it's, it's less common than um, it's certainly in the minority. So, uh, and I think so. What would you say? Um, what would you say? I mean, you talked about the, your particular organisation at James and James not being very hierarchical, and um, and then we talked about saying, well, maybe some of the more corporate organisations perhaps struggle with this, um, but. Are there certain things, you know, what, what do you need to have in place to ensure that a challenge culture has the chance to, to um, establish itself and thrive and, and deliver the benefits to the business that you, you want to have? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's some real key things that um, are necessary uh, and preconditioned. So I think, you know, I'm very passionate about culture and of businesses and values. And I think it starts with the values of the business. If you can get right. a challenge as a core value and live and breathe it, then you are using that to underpin everything you do. So, James, James, one of our core values is challenge. Um, oh, I, I think was going to ask you that. Yeah, yeah, possibly <laughs> enough. <laughs> it's, um, challenge, um, create, and deliver. Um, trust, for me, is imperative, and that starts at the top. If employees see any hesitancy of leaders to be challenged or if they feel that their ideas and feedback won't actually be welcome, then they're not going to take the will, you know, they won't have the will to, to risk in sharing that. So, so again, in so many ways, it's about leadership modelling what is the kind of culture that they wish to see, modelling it, showing it, demonstrating it and being seen to walk the walk as much as talking the talk. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, our CEO and founder, James um, Hyde, he he role models that. And and actually, you know, you watch him actively doing that on a day-to-day basis as part of his normal way of working. He'll ask people for personal feedback. He'll ask people just to say, how can we do things better? You know, he recognizes that he doesn't have the answers. You know, the the senior leadership don't have all the answers. What can we do differently? So starting at the top, I know, you know, it can be a bit of a cliche, but it's absolutely essential. Yes. Okay. So values, um, challenge value, being one trust. of yours. Trust. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think having con- sort of continuous and open feedback, um, you know, being not just feedback when you're in a one-to-one or a meeting that's reserved for that purpose only. I think, you know, being able to say in a normal conversation where somebody, say, delivered um, an idea, um, can I give you some feedback on that? Um mm. You know, and doing it regularly and continuously, and you know, bouncing ideas around, and 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 be, you know, that takes a confidence, and it that that doesn't happen overnight because, like we've discussed, you know, some people will say, mm, some some companies reserve feedback for you know maybe just critical things. Yeah, 
Yeah. So then when someone says, can I give you some feedback, immediately your heart will sink and you'll think, oh, God, yeah, well, you know, what, what, what's they going to say now? Or what have I done yeah. now? And, they, and the next time I maybe won't put my head above the parapet because I'm frightened of it getting bitten off. Um, but as you say, if it's positive, it's a mixture of positive and um, it's just it's just the way things are done. You just have a feedback conversation loop. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think creating, you know, a culture where people are continuously challenging what we do. So it's that continuous improvement, is that mm-hmm. challenging the status quo. I think mm-hmm. you need to do things to be able to support that. And a lot of companies will have, you know, ideas forums. We um, here developed an innovation fund, so we make 5,000 available for employees who want to carry out their own improvements to the business. Obviously, it goes to a bit of a dragon's den panel, but it's really empowering. It's, you know, people can come up with the idea and then see it through, which is fantastically engaging. And actually, it's led to some really good ideas coming to life because you own it with the full support of the company behind you. Fantastic. We had a, oh, goodness, we had a chap on the radio show a few but actually relatively early on in lockdown from um, uh, Waitrose. And uh, he was talking about something very similar, actually, with their retail colleagues um, and how much money they'd saved simply by coming up with ideas for for that purpose and then implementing them and acknowledging them all. They can't necessarily implement all of them, but acknowledging and, um, uh, you know, making sure they didn't just disappear into a black hole, but that, the good things got developed yeah it's very very yeah the ideas are there aren't they no it's no one has a monopoly on the good idea okay yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely um i think my next uh precondition is um rewarding and genuinely i say underline genuinely um welcome risk taking i think mm-hmm. one of the easiest ways to kill a challenge culture is to create fear around right. taking risks and failing so it's that whole fail forward um you know learn from you know any failures and you know don't hide something if it's gone wrong let's let's get it out in the open and talk about and share what what we could do better mm-hmm. yeah so where people are fearful of you know reprisal and repercussions and you know even you know i've seen people come into the business where i can tell it's not natural for them to potentially be challenging or asking questions because they think that's I've never done that before, you know. I've, mm. I've always had to sort of stick to my role. And um, I, what, what do you mean I can go and ask the CEO exactly, you know, to, to talk to me about that? Or I've got an idea, I can go and sit with him. It's it's in some yeah. ways quite alien. So it takes, you know, in terms of new recruits, we, we, we hire for a cultural fit, but there's still an element of coaching and um, helping people to to shake old ways, I guess. Um, yes, I was going to ask you about culture. that. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, Clara. I mean, because... I know we haven't quite got through all the preconditions necessarily yet, but um, at least some of these things don't come naturally to people, do they? And if you are a growing organisation and you are, as you say, recruiting rapidly, you've 87 over the last, you know, last few months, um, inevitably there's going to be people coming in who are not, this doesn't come naturally to them. So how do you, how do you go about that? Is it, is it one-to-one coaching or do you, do you have more, more other, you know, other ways of training this challenge yeah. culture into the business? Well, I think we, you know, it's a lot of, uh, because it's so active as a, as a part of our culture, people see um, other people doing it. So, you know, it's, it's learning by, by, by seeing what people are doing. So people sure. tend to start to pick up, but that's actually what we do around here and, and be involved in a, a meeting. And, and we will help people more in a coaching 
sense, uh, mm-hmm. you know, on how to challenge. I think it's about, you know, cha- challenge should be positively delivered and it should be positively received as well. So, yeah. um, you know, challenging just for challenge sake isn't isn't something that, that, that would it's go down particularly well. No. Yeah, because, no. you know, we're not an ego business at, at all. Um, no. So helping people in the how do you ask the right questions? You know, what does pushback mean? Um, mm. How do I do it positively? So we can we can absolutely help with that. Mm, mm. Yes, because you don't want yes. Challenge culture doesn't mean bashing everyone over the head with a bat, does it? It it, it mean and it doesn't mean disagreeing and taking a. It doesn't yeah. mean adopt. It doesn't mean that there has to be someone in a meeting who adopts an argumentative stance or a, has to a quota of people who adopt the alternative position. That's that's really not what you're talking about. Is it? Yeah, yeah, we don't. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, we don't want awkwardness. <laughs> No, no, bullshit, awkward lot. No, we don't definitely don't yeah. want that. Okay, so have we, have we, um, have we, have we, are there any other preconditions from your perspective I that we haven't touched my, on? I think they're the, I think they're the main um, preconditions really for for, for me. Mm, mm, um, okay, and it, and it's interesting to the, to the extent that a lot of those actually blend with themselves, don't they? Because you were talking about trust and. Um, you have to trust that when you take risks, you're not going to be shot down for it. So that, you know, there's a, there's these things sort of are mutually, these are mutually um, supportive preconditions in many ways, aren't they? That you, um, you know, you trust that this is the right thing to do. You trust your colleagues to be generous, spirited and positive and, uh, and, and respect you when you have different views. So, yeah, interesting. So, what brought this about at, at, at James and James? And do you think? So, so I think it, you know recognition that um, I mean some companies they they will create values in a very in, in, inclusive way. I've seen that in bigger older businesses. Um, mm-hmm. at James and James, it was um, I think you know rec- recognizing that challenge um, is absolutely essential for us to be. Um, moving forward quite quickly, um, generating ideas. Um, you know, we have a mission. Um, our mission is mm-hmm. to um, challenge the industry, create change right. for the better, and right. deliver 100 million orders to happy customers. So I've just got my mission in there. Thank you very much. Those three um, key words there, they are our values. And they, you know, the decision was that they underpin everything that we do. So this has to be our philosophy and it's not something that we've said okay that's what we need to do to move forward it's naturally being part of the um, philosophy of James and James which um, has evolved and and grown so rapidly over the years so it you know underpins everything we do Um, our journey next I think is to um, really develop that um, and nurture the culture of challenge because Mm -hmm. it's definitely key to our success and by having it at the, at the forefront and the heart of everything we do, um, particularly in, in, in people side of things, we hire for values. So we have a culture interview. If someone has the skills to do the role but doesn't have um, a challenge, create, deliver mindset, then we don't make that hire. And, you know, that's that's something that everybody accepts. Um, I can think of certain businesses where you would say, look, this person doesn't particularly have the right cultural fit and you may be overridden because they have the skills. But, but here it's taken so seriously that, the culture um, interview has a real sort of high um, priority in the business. Um, we also develop. Yeah. yeah. 
so it's interesting isn't it you you know you you this idea i think i think one of one of the first companies that i came across doing taking that approach quite quite a few years now ago was first direct when you know the first telephone banking as it was then the first telephone banking um provider and and they very much hired hired for culture and hired for communication skills and and knew that they could train on the banking and the finance and all of the kind of technical stuff um, later but they needed to make sure the people were the right fit in the first place and it was quite a radical view at that point um yeah yeah, absolutely and I think you just ride on to that you know when you hire for that but there there will be people within a business that actually don't fit that so you know we Mm -hmm. will develop as much as we can um in terms of behaviors and culture but you know, we've had to make some difficult decisions um, to to say goodbye to some people because they, you know, they don't fit the culture. So I think when you're actively acting on that, you know, people mm. see that you are hiring for that, you, you know, mm. I, I guess hiring for that, you know, it's a really um, important thing and it really does highlight how important our culture is. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I'm going to I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I, I'm a I'm a passionate believer in hiring for cultural fit um, and. I, but then I know that there are people that argue that when you do that, you cannot create diversity, you cannot address inclusion, and actually all you're doing is perpetuating an organisation of clones who are basically you're hiring in your own image. Um, I know I know what I would say to that, <laughs> um, but I would I wonder what you would say to that, Clara. Yeah, no, I absolutely no, I I, I that is you know the cookie cutter approach of, of hiring. Um, so we, you know, that's absolutely not, you know, these are core attributes that we, the behaviors that we need to see in people. It absolutely doesn't undermine um, our diversity and inclusion uh, strategy whatsoever. You know, it's about the right person with the, with the right behaviors and the right culture fit. Yes. Yeah, exactly. My point too. I've, I, you know, I think it's, it, it makes me very <laughs> frustrated when people say that because, you know, I can understand what they perhaps are getting at but it that's a misunderstanding of what is meant by hiring for culture and hiring for values and it, it's I think it's a misunderstanding of why where organizational values may have come from and what an organizational culture is all about and your what you what you're doing there is you you have values which are vital to delivering your business strategy and your business mission and the growth that you've set yourself and those values are there to deliver that and the behaviors that support those values are there to deliver that um they're not simply oh wouldn't it be nice if we had some values and we stick them on a poster on the wall and yeah, then exactly. you know it, it's it's a, it's a fundamental misunderstanding of what values and behavior and culture means to business delivery I think when when people challenge it in that way um, but it does get frustrating and I think it's worth uh, it's worth spelling out I think so okay um so what are the difficulties I mean what would you say has been of the things that are proving the most difficult for you in creating a culture of challenge what are the challenges it, <laughs> it presents for you Interesting. So we have we have two. Um, we have the office size or the head office type roles, and we have the um, uh, fulfillment centre. So one of the challenges at the moment is delivering a workshop um, mm-hmm. during a very busy, busy, busy time. So we like to uh, you know hold a workshop where everybody, regardless of role, goes through you know uh, uh, what are our values. Um, I think yeah. it's getting that and getting a consistent message when you've got two quite different audiences. Um, yeah. and bringing it to life but, but yeah it's uh it's, it's not impossible at all it's just um 
yeah, one of one of the, the smaller challenges. Um, yeah. Hiring, you know, that that sometimes makes the process a little bit longer. But then it's all about getting the right hire, isn't it? And not not the mm. Um, mm. the quickest high, but you know, when you're in a in a business it's growing very rapidly, we need people quickly. So so I'd say they were probably the smaller challenges. Yes, yes. Okay. Lovely. And um clearly it's a journey. This isn't something that you're gonna do and tick a box and say job done. This is a this is kind of a, a part of the way you do things there and part of your long term business strategy and uh, and delivery. But and you, we've we've talked about the preconditions to create um, a culture of challenge. What if there was one, if there was one thing um, as we come into the last sort of minute of the show? If there was one thing that you would like our listeners to take away, who who might have been listening to what you're saying and thinking, oh, that's interesting. I I, I wonder how I could begin to uh, create that in my organisation or begin to win people over to the importance of that in my organisation. What what would you say the sort of start point should be, Clara? Okay. Um, so, I mean, I would, I would say, you know, it's not something, you know, not to put anybody off, obviously, but it's not something that you can achieve overnight. I think, you know, it has to be modelled, shaped. And I think, we, you know, if, if I was starting on this journey, I would, you know, and the business needed to be agile uh, and move forward quite quickly with ideas. You know, I, I think I would be talking to my leadership team about the results um, and using case studies where that's really helped mm-hmm. and getting mm-hmm. their commit and try and influence in that, that commitment. And, you know, that's not easy with some, you know, leaders, directors of businesses because it's, it's letting go or it's, it's culturally you know, different to what they're used to. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But it's so 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 a good start point is to is to get them to listen to this show actually and hear what you're about. <laughs> yes, yeah, very good. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent, Clara. It's been great. Thank you, Clara Buckingham, head of people at James and James E Commerce Fulfillment, for sharing your culture of challenge with us today uh thank you for listening to engage for success radio we'll see you at the same time next week and don't forget you can download or stream any of the great shows from our archive at any time thank you for listening good night engage for success radio raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work